The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals presents the timeless teaching of Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. When we take all of these verses, this one in Malachi, two in Matthew, the one in James, and the one in the book of Revelation, when we put them together, we have a very clear mosaic. All of the pieces fit together like the pieces of a puzzle and form for us the picture that our God and Father has said this, I will come in the rapture and I will remove the church and take the church to be with myself. And here in the closing verses of the Old Testament, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Over a half a century ago, the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, then pastor of 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia, saw the need to spread God's Word beyond the hearing of his local congregation. He started the weekly radio outreach, which has become known as Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible. The application of God's Word, as taught by Dr. Barnhouse, is as relevant today as when he first taught over the radio airwaves decades ago. The message we will be featuring on today's edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is entitled, Expecting God. Have you ever gone to a busy hotel or restaurant without making a reservation? Chances are good that you were turned away. You must let them know that they should be expecting you. The Bible tells us that we should be expecting the return of Jesus Christ for His people and gives a great deal of information about what will happen before and after this extraordinary event. God has not left us in the dark about what He will do in the future. His truth will help you expect the return of the Lord with peace and confident assurance. The scripture text for this edition of Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is Malachi chapter 4. Here again is Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse with a message entitled, Expecting God. Now I want you to turn to the fourth chapter of Malachi. Malachi chapter 4. We have been studying together this very great little prophecy, the last in the Old Testament. In the Hebrew, there are only three chapters, because this is tied up with that which goes before. For as you'll notice in our English version, it begins with for or because, which ties it to that which went before in the previous chapter. And if you remember, God has been chiding the people because of the formality of their worship and the fact that their hearts were far from him while their lips honored him, their hearts were far from him. They were offering damaged offerings, bringing lambs that were blind and lame. Their priests were living callously. The people were robbing God in tithes and offerings and yet were extremely proud. And then God points out, that there was a little group in the midst of them that feared the Lord and spake oft one to another. And the Lord said, these are mine in the day when I shall come to make up my jewels. And he promises 
that they shall return in the last verse of chapter 3. Then promising that return, he immediately goes on in the first verse of chapter 4 to say, For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now, we know from the context, that which follows, that this is speaking of the close of the great tribulation. We do not know how long it will be before all the events of the second coming of Christ shall begin to take place. So we put a dotted line there, X, because he may come tonight and he may not come for years, decades, we do not know. So there's a period there we can count from the cross down through the centuries, but how long it will be till the second coming of Christ begins, we do not know. The second coming of Christ is not an isolated incident, but a great series of incidents. Just as the first coming of Christ was 30-odd years long, so the second coming of Christ is 7 plus 1,000 years long. Now, in that seven-year period, he begins it by taking out all of the believers today of the church age. And then immediately upon the earth, everything is reestablished, and God begins to work as he worked in the Old Testament, and primarily through the Jews. The Jews are brought back into the land. And then, says God, there is going to be a day of great terror. It's called elsewhere the great and terrible day of the Lord. Another place it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jesus spoke of it in Matthew 24 and said, Then shall there be great tribulation. So there is going to be that time of terrible tribulation upon the earth when the Antichrist shall come and shall seek to destroy the Jew because he knows from the Bible that the Jew is to replace him and that God is to give his power to Israel. Therefore, he seeks to destroy this people entirely. And it shall be upon them as a day of great wrath and yet God will hold the little nucleus of his own people safe in the midst of all the horror of that tribulation. And so describing the judgment that shall come upon many, many of those who know not God and obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, he then speaks to the spiritual remnant, those who will believe. For in that day, the Jews will be divided into two, called the many and the remnant, even as they are in the book of Acts chapter 15. The many... And the remnant, the many are, well, like those who run the nation of Israel today, the remnant, those who believe in Jesus. And in the opening of the book of Revelation, we see that there are, at the outset of the seven-year period of the tribulation, after the Lord removes the church at the rapture, there are 144,000 Jews who are saved and who go forth as missionaries. By the miracle power of God, there will be 144,000 Jews all of them like St. Paul. All of them like Jonah after he got out of the whale. For in that day, the Bible says, a nation shall be born in a day. They shall look on him whom they have pierced. And there will be first of all, 12,000 of each of the tribes, all with the fullness of the Holy Spirit, none of them having to learn a language, with all of the supernatural gifts, and they shall go forth into every part of the world. There'll be no iron curtain that can detain them. 
But the gospel will be preached in all the world for a witness, for that group will preach the gospel to every person living under heaven. For the phrase, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then shall the end come, does not mean that the gospel of grace in our age must be preached to every creature before the second coming of Christ begins for us, but that after we are removed, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness, and then shall the end of the great tribulation come. So here it is, the promise of the division between the many and the remnant. In chapter 4 and verse 1, he pronounces judgment upon the many. And then unto the remnant, in verse 2, he says, Unto you that fear my name, shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Now there's a very interesting contrast here between this verse and a verse in the book of Revelation. For speaking to the Christian in the letters to the seven churches of Asia, talking about the little group of overcomers who trust in him, he says, to him that overcometh will I give the morning star. Now here he says, to you that believe I shall give the sun of righteousness. The night is far spent. We do not know which hour it is. We are not at the dawn. Now everyone knows the darkest hour is just before dawn. And perhaps we're entering into that darkest hour of the earth. And in the midst of the darkest hour, there comes the morning star. And that's the rapture of the believer. And the Lord Jesus tells us that to us in this church age, before his coming begins, that he will give to us in the midst of the darkest hour, the morning star, which comes before dawn. And then following that, the dark hour continues, the time of Jacob's trouble, this burning day spoken of by Malachi, this great and terrible day of the Lord as it's described in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And then to the remnant of the Jews living in that time, he says, I'll give you the son of righteousness. For as in the dark hour we see the morning star, the rapture and are taken to be with the Lord, so the night finishes and the sun rises for Israel. So Jesus is called by the church title of the morning star and by the Jewish title of the son of righteousness who arises with healing in his wings. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves in the stall. Now, if you've ever seen the difference between a calf that's raised on grass in a field and one that's raised in a stall, well, I'll tell you, corn finished is what they call them. If you take a steer that grows up in the field and you kill it, kill a steer that grows up on grass, having run over the field, and if you look at a stake that comes from a steer that's raised out on the plains and has run wild, the meat is heavy, and it's not prime number one U.S. But if you take one that has been finished, to use what the cattlemen describe, a finished cow, is you take it off the field, you buy it, and you put it in the stall, and you feed it. You just put before it a mixture of corn and wheat and molasses and a few other things along with it, fish meal and other protein, and you give them this mixture, and they grow, and they grow, and they grow. There's salt there so they can keep licking and be thirsty and drink and drink water and take more salt and eat more food and drink more, and they become like Jerusalem, who's waxed fat and kicking. Now, this is what the Bible describes it as. Now, this is the figure of speech that God uses of his people. He said, 
The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. For there in the midst of all your trouble, while the Antichrist is there, the abomination of desolation, suddenly the Lord Jesus will come, and as he has done his work for the true church, so he shall do his work for the true Israel. And he shall rise as the son of righteousness, and you shall go forth and grow up like calves of the stall. How God is going to bless his people. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Who's going to win between the Arabs and the Jew? No doubt about it, the Jew. Don't misunderstand, the Arabs might rise tomorrow and kill every Jew in Palestine. That would not change the word of God. For God will put them back in his own time and God will do what he has promised to do and the day will come. When like calves in a stall, they shall be fattened and they shall put their feet upon the necks of the wicked and God is going to bless Israel. It is spoken and it shall come to pass. This is the course of history written in advance. And we can read it as well as we can read in Time magazine what happened last week so we can read in the Bible what is going to happen in the time of the future. The word of God shall stand. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And then he speaks this way. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded with him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. He calls them back to righteousness. He calls them back to the covenant with himself. And then he finishes in this way. The last two verses in the Old Testament. And believe me, dear friends, after the Lord Jesus' second coming when he's removed us, these two words are as going to be as vivid and alive as John 3.16 is to you and me. For these two verses describe something that they're going to be looking for in a marvelous way. Behold, says God, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Now, after the Lord Jesus removes us, the true church from the earth, God is going to send Elijah. Remember that Elijah never died. Elijah was carried to heaven in a chariot of fire. And God is reserving him for a certain purpose. Beyond any question, he is one of the two witnesses described in the book of Revelation, the two witnesses, I believe the other is Moses, though it's not pertinent to our subject here. These two witnesses shall come and they shall preach as Elijah prayed for three and a half years and the heavens were shut up. So it is that for three and a half years, half of the great tribulation, Elijah shall appear. I want you to notice the last Two or three verses in the epistle of James. In James chapter 5 and verse 17 it says this. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. That's half of seven. Now in the great tribulation, the seven year period. The Bible speaks of that period as a heptad, a week of years. It speaks of it, the half of it, as a time, times, and half a time, three and a half years. It speaks of it in Revelation as 40 and two months, three and a half years. 
and it speaks of it again as 1,260 days, three and a half years into the Jewish lunar calendar. So God describes this period in the future in such a way that no man can ever call it a figure of speech. He describes this time in a period of a full seven years and in two halves. In time, two times and half a time. He describes it in terms of months and he describes it in terms of days. It is to come to pass the central figure on earth during this period will be Elijah and Moses come back. Now, if you understand this, you will understand why the disciples asked Jesus at the time of the transfiguration. Why then do the scribes say that Elijah must first come? Speaking, of course, of the last two verses of Malachi. And Jesus answered and said, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. So we find in the lips of Jesus Christ the authentication of this great prophecy made in Malachi that it shall be fulfilled for Israel. Elijah truly shall first come. In Chicago, or just north of Chicago, there was a man named Dowie who called himself Elijah Dowie and said that he was Elijah. And he began to preach, and a lot of people believed him, and they established a little city north of Chicago called Zion City near the Illinois-Wisconsin border. But suddenly, this Elijah died. And as soon as he died, why, the movement rather petered out. How ridiculous are men in their blasphemies. But surely, says Jesus Christ in Matthew 17, 11, Elijah truly shall first come. Someone may remind me of a verse in Matthew 11. For in Matthew 11, there's another verse in which Jesus spoke of Elijah. He's talking about John the Baptist. And in Matthew 11, he says in verse 12, From the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. That is, there were men that wanted to take Jesus by force and make him king, because he fed them loaves and fishes, and because they saw his mighty works. And if ye will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. They did not receive it. And so later on in Matthew 17, he says, I tell you truly, Elijah shall first come. When the Lord Jesus first came here upon the earth, he came to the Jews and said, I make you a bona fide offer of the kingdom. Will you receive me as your Messiah king and I will set up the kingdom? And they looked at him and said, what you're offering does not fit our blueprint of what we think the kingdom is to be. For the reason the Jews rejected Jesus was because of the fact that they had a specification and blueprint and they said the kingdom is when we the Jews who lie prostrate with the heel of the Roman Empire now on our necks. The kingdom is when God knocks down the Roman Empire, lifts us up and lets us put our feet on the necks of the empire. That's what we're waiting for. Are you ready to produce and make us top dogs? And Jesus said, no. The kingdom is not like that first. It's righteousness, it's peace, it's joy in the Holy Spirit. And so I am as the nobleman who goes into a far country to get the kingdom and to return. Oh, they said, crucify him. He's not offering us the world with a fence around it. 
And we want the world with the fence around it and nothing less. Thus it was that the Jews crucified Jesus because they failed to comprehend the nature of these prophecies. And yet when we take all of these verses, this one in Malachi, two in Matthew chapter 11 and chapter 17, the one in James which speaks of Elijah praying for three and a half years, and the one in the book of Revelation which speaks of the two witnesses, when we put them together we have a very clear mosaic. All of the pieces fit together like the pieces of a puzzle and form for us the picture that our God and Father has said this, when I am finished with the church in this church age, I will come in the rapture and I will remove the church and take the church to be with myself. Following this, I will send Elijah and Moses. For he said in Deuteronomy, I will send a prophet like unto you. And when I do this, says God, I will prepare my people. And here in the closing verses of the Old Testament, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So when Jesus presented John the Baptist, he said, Now, if you would truly accept me, I would fulfill this prophecy, and I would count John the Baptist as being the fulfillment of Elijah come before me. But instead they refused Jesus. John had his head cut off, and later Jesus said, Elijah truly shall first come. And the slow order of the centuries began to unfold. We know not the day, nor the hour, the times, nor the seasons which the Father has put in his hand. But we may be absolutely sure that every word spoken by the Lord shall come to pass. And of this we may be absolutely certain. Since primarily these truths apply to an age which is yet future and deal primarily with Israel as a nation, there is this conclusion for you and me. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And we see, therefore, the total fulfillment of all that he prophesied coming to pass. And if then the Holy Spirit was able to say at that time, The night is far spent. The day is at hand. How much more now? The night is far spent. And the day is at hand. And in the darkness of this hour, we thank God that you and I may look not for the tribulation terrors, but for the morning star, who is prophesied for us that the Lord Jesus shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and that the dead in Christ shall rise first, and that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we ever be with the Lord. So it is that I can bring to you this conclusion. If there's a man or woman here who has not been born again, I tell you, the day of grace draws to its close. The day shall come when you will confront God. Today is yet the day of grace in which the voice of God comes sweeping to you. God commands all men to repent. If you have never yet received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, bow before him. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then for you there is this conclusion. Our God is a God of love. How wonderful he is that he should have planned all this for us. And that as we see these dark days approaching, he says to us, look not at the darkness. Keep your eye on the horizon. The morning star is about to come forth. There in the east, the morning star shall rise and you shall have the morning star.
And afterwards, indeed, after I take you out, there may be indeed the greatest darkness for the moment. But then I shall come as the son of righteousness for Israel, and all my purposes shall be fulfilled. May we live in the light of these truths. Let us bow in prayer. O God, our Father, we thank thee for thy great faithfulness. For this book, so wonderful, so supernatural, so evidently beyond man's capacity for writing. Here, Lord, our God is revelation, divine unfolding and revealing. Here is the fulfillment of thy great promise. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret to his servants, the prophets. O Lord God, in spite of our hearts and all their need, look upon us in Jesus Christ and take this word to each heart, convicting, comforting, using, building, strengthening, as thou seest our need. We ask it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We cannot look forward to the return of Jesus Christ with joy and hope unless we know Him personally as Lord and Savior. When we embrace Him by faith and receive the gift of eternal life, we can look to the future with confident expectation and rest in the promises of Scripture. If you would like to review today's message and additional teachings by the late Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse, you can hear these broadcasts anytime, anywhere around the globe via the Internet. The Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible Real Audio Internet website is accessible by visiting Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals online at www.alliancenet.org. Log on to this week's message entitled, Expecting God. An audio copy of today's teaching is also available by calling us toll-free at 1-800-488-1888. Today's message again is entitled, Expecting God, or simply request message number Q134. We are currently offering to our listeners a free copy of Dr. Barnhouse's booklet, Secrets for Successful Living. This booklet offers biblical insights showing the Christian how to grow in their relationship with Christ, from being assured of salvation, to understanding sanctification, to knowing how to deal with sin, to walking in a manner worthy of God's call. Ask for your complimentary copy of Secrets for Successful Living when you call or write. When you call or write, you may also request a free catalog of all of Dr. Barnhouse's books and audio teachings. Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible is a radio ministry of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, headquartered in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals exists to promote a biblical understanding and worldview, drawing upon the insight and wisdom of Reformed theologians from decades and even centuries gone by we seek to provide contemporary Christian teaching materials which will equip believers to understand and meet the challenges and opportunities of our time and place if you would like more information on the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals or if you would like to support and further our work contact us by writing Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals Box 2000, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19103. Or call toll-free 1-800-488-1888. Or visit us online at www.alliancenet.org. Join us again next time for more classic teaching on Dr. Barnhouse and the Bible.